Episode 68, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Ted, we will celebrate with episode 68. We'll call it the episode for Robert E. Jackson. Do you remember Robert E. Jackson, the lineman for the Browns? Vaguely, yeah. He was uh, in the mid-80s, right, with the co-star yeah. on them. Yeah, he, he did some time. I remember him quite a bit, but we'll celebrate him. This podcast is, uh, boy, we're already winding down the end of August, which yeah. is hard to believe. And I, I know your kids are starting pretty soon. My kids have started school this week. So as they say, we're back in the mix, my friend. Back in the mix. Back in the mix. You know, we had last week. You know what Friday was? No. The 13th. Oh, okay. Anything weird happened to you on Friday? Let's see on Friday. I talked to you. Does that count? That's always weird. Yes. Other than that, no, I was, I was clean. I was good to go on Friday. Okay. Well, I did some research on where the superstition from Friday, the 13th comes from. Oh, cool. History.com says the origins are unclear, but the code of law in ancient Babylon didn't have a 13th law suggesting they avoided the number. Huh? Yeah. But some historians say it's just a mistake. So they just skipped the number. Okay. <laughs> oh, look at this. We got evidence of the 13th being scary. Now they just skipped the number. Forget it. Okay. <laughs> so we got that. And then. Other people say it comes from the Bible because huh. the last supper had 13 people at the table, Jesus and the 12 disciples. Yes. The day after the last supper, Jesus was crucified. Huh. So that that's kind of interesting. Now history.com says that fear of Friday the 13th, which is Paraskev Edek. Triophobia. Bless you. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's not how it's pronounced, but nonetheless, it's estimated to cost more than $800 million in losses annually because people avoid doing major activities like going to work, buying big things, stuff like that. They just, wow. Oh my gosh, it's Friday the 13th. I don't want to do that. And apparently, about 10% of the population suffers from. Para, Paraskevedectriophobia. Bless you again. Yes. Now, this year, we only had one Friday the 13th. It was this past Friday. The next hmm. one in May of 2022, there will be a Friday the 13th. So we oh. have a little time to get ready for that. Yeah, we do. So that's uh, something to keep in mind. That's very interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm getting married next May. Yeah. Should I be concerned? Not on. on, It's it's not on a Friday, is it? No. Is it on Saturday the 14th? No, no. The wedding, the wedding's the 28th, so we're fine. Oh, good. uh, On other news, though, Ted, have you heard about the newest census results for many different of the many different cities here in Ohio? Did you? Well, I saw they came out last week, and I believe Cleveland, like an old man, is shrinking. I believe you're correct. Uh-huh. Uh, they shrunk by 6.1% from 2010. Um, they're now at uh, total population in the city limits of 372,624. Hmm. Now, the part that maybe is a little bit disturbing is that both Columbus and Cincinnati saw increases. So Columbus, really? yeah, they grew by 15%. They have 905,000 people in their city. And then Cincinnati, which I'm not surprised. I've been there a couple of times just because of job stuff. It seems like it's a lot of things going on, a lot of increased people. Their their increase of 4.2% now puts them at 309,000. So actually, they're catching up to where Cleveland is. And for a long time, Cleveland had a pretty good uh, distance between them and, and Cincinnati. I think it's always been, you know, behind Columbus. There's just a lot more people and areas and things sure. like that, but it's Cincinnati's catching up certainly with the census. So, well, when the next I census think, comes out, it, that could, that could change. Yeah. I think part of this is if you look at it, Cleveland is a much older city than yes. Columbus and Cincinnati. So there's still a lot of area to develop in uh, Columbus, whereas 
Cleveland, you know, it's pretty much built out. So yeah. um, now, you know, Columbus is the state capital. They have almost a million people. So, uh, you know, uh, it's probably not, not unexpected that they'd be the largest city in the state. No, but, no, not at all. And it seems like with those two cities, particularly, I'm not saying Cleveland's not like this, there are more younger people moving to those cities. And I think a lot has to do with the opportunities for jobs. I sure. really do have something sure. to do. That. Cleveland's doing a lot, you know, trying to bring in different industries, doing all these different things. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of these increases are because of, of job situations. Well, it doesn't hurt when you have one of the largest universities in the entire country Yes, in the middle of the city. So yes, uh, that's certainly part of it. Now you mentioned um, jobs and things like that. And coming up on our show today, we're going to talk with Keith Lassinger from Cleveland Builds. That's a, a nonprofit that helps get people jobs or get them trained in the city of Cleveland. We've also uh, got some news about WWE and AEW and AEW just debuted Rampage. So we're going to talk yep. to Steve Muehlhausen. He's going to get in the ring and we'll talk to him about that. We have some good news about an old marriage certificate to discuss. We're going to reminisce history-wise about a Hall of Fame pitcher in uh, this week in Cleveland sports and a big food guy in Cleveland in this week in Cleveland history. We have another overachiever, and I'll give you a clue as to who it is or who it's not, Ken. It's not you. Okay. Dang it. In uh, Klopp's Clips, uh guy tries to, to keep doing his job even after they told him he was fired. We'll tell you. <clears throat> we'll explain that, tell you how that worked. We have another misspeak of the week, and we've got no rhythm. Oh, my. That, that and a whole lot more coming your way. And now, a woman's perspective. A recent study has found that women who carry a little extra weight live longer than the men who mention it. This has been A Woman's Perspective. Cleveland! This is for you! Another This Week in Cleveland Sports History, August 20th, 1912. The Washington Senators, the future Baseball Hall of Famer Walter Johnson, wins an AL record 15th straight, beating the Cleveland Naps 4-2. In the nightcap, Carl Cushion, no hits the Naps, 2-0 in six innings. We're joined by our Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And Dusty, what can you tell us about certainly, you know, Walter Johnson, and then obviously in the nightcap <laughs> from the first game, you have a no-hitter. That's crazy. Well, unfortunately, the Naps didn't have as much luck in 1912 as some of the recent Indians teams have had going to the World Series and, and whatnot. But you look at Walter Johnson, and he's obviously one of those great ba early baseball names in the early 20th century. And he actually, the interesting thing about baseball back in that day was you didn't, those pitchers like that did not come out of games. They pitched complete games every single time maybe every fourth day, every fifth day. But you look at the box score from this game one where Walter Johnson wins game number 28, by the way, wow. in August. Jeez. Well, he came in after a pitcher by the name of Lefty Shag had got faced one batter and got one out. Now, it doesn't say why he came out, but mm -hmm. Walter Johnson comes in, finishes the game, and pitches the last eight and two-thirds innings. The, the Naps do get ten hits and score two unearned runs, but they do lose the game. Every game, every run in that game, by the way, four to two was unearned. And oh, Walter geez. Johnson not only won his 28th game, but his ERA dropped to 0 0.16. 0 wow. 0.16. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that Blutarski's ERA or his oh. uh, TPA maybe? I don't know. <laughs> now, Blutarski's ERA was just a little lower than that, yes. Oh, wow. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, fellas. No. No, it's just... <laughs> But then, we go, but then we go to game two, like we said, and all the, and, and you think it's bad enough that you get beat by Walter Johnson pitching eight and two thirds of innings of relief. And then you go into game two and you end up getting no hit. Now, the interesting thing about that game is 
It was only a five and a half inning game. Hmm. Carl Cashian only pitched six innings to get his no hitter against the Naps that that day. Now he was only six and two, and the poor guy had an ERA of point forty four, so he wasn't nearly as good as Walter Johnson. Point forty four. Those are insane ERAs. Yeah, that's absolutely unbelievable. unbelievable. Wow, it's crazy. Well, the other thing about that game is the Naps pitcher, Veen Gregg, his ERA dropped to fourteen and eleven, and his season ERA after that game was point seventy one. Oh jeez. <laughs> Nobody scored back then, and if you, and no, if you I guess not because of errors. Wow, no wonder they lo- what is it? They, they lowered the mound after a while. Yeah, so well, Dusty, great information, obviously, but uh, not the most happiest times for a Cleveland team, but uh, certainly a great history as we go back to the Naps losing two games back on August twentieth, nineteen twelve. Dusty, as always, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jeff. Mr. Bukarski, 0.00. Cleveland! This is for you! Ted, we got some good news. An employee at a thrift store in North Carolina was cleaning an antique 1889 print of a painting when she spotted something hidden in the back of the frame. Hmm. Pam Phelps found a New Jersey marriage certificate for a man named William and a woman named Katie from 1865. Holy cow. Wow. People saw a TV report about the certificate on local news and messaged Irene Cornish on Ancestry.com, suggesting the couple could be her great-grandparents. Wow. They are. Wow. Unbelievable. The couple was William and Catherine DeWorth. Cornish plans to get the certificate framed and displayed. Holy cow. That's unreal. <laughs> Great grandparents. Well, by the way, here's their birth marriage certificate. That is pretty amazing now with <laughs> with our technology that we could find out, you know, who's connected to who and all that through ancestry.com and other sites like that. So that part's cool, but a print of a painting from 1889 and then they have the marriage certificate from 1865. It's amazing those papers still stay together. Let's yeah. be honest. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's whew. well, stands, stands the test of time, right? That certainly does. And there's yeah. certainly some good news. Time for another This Week in Cleveland history. We move to 120 years ago, August 22nd. Of 1901, Vernon Stouffer, in case you didn't know where Stouffer, the name came from, Vernon Stouffer, born in Cleveland, graduated from the Wharton School of Finance at the University of Pennsylvania in 1923, and came back home to help manage his father's lunch business in the Cleveland Arcade, and the business would grow into what we more recently know as Stouffer's Corporation. The operations include now a nationwide chain of restaurants, inns, frozen foods, and food service management. John Grabowski, our Cleveland historian, joins us to talk about this. And this is one of the great business success stories of Cleveland, is it not, John? It's, it's, it's an incredible success story. And it sort of gives a reflection on the rural and the urban. And it's uh, I mean, if you go back to uh, Vernon Stouffer's parents, Abraham and Lena Stouffer, they, uh, they ran a creamery. They're from Columbiana County and then later moved to Medina County. So they, they ran a creamery and they uh, started a little cream station. Well, actually, they had, a mar- they had a stall at the Sheriff Street Market at one point. Now, that is that's part of you know, the, the sports complex, uh, Gateway Sports Complex at this time. But then they started in the lower level of the arcade a little counter where they sold milk and cream. And then they, they branched out. Uh, they basically began selling sandwiches and they sold uh, Lena's Dutch apple pie, which was <laughs> a real winner. And uh, obviously by this time, the family, I think had moved to Lakewood and, uh, and Vernon and his son, Gordon, his brother, Gordon are growing up. And as you mentioned, Vernon goes to the Wharton school of business. I mean, the family was making money and then he comes in and he works at the lunch counter in the 1920s. Uh, they then start another restaurant in a Schofield building uh, 
1920, uh, mid 1920s, I believe. And in 1929, they, they found the Stouffer's Corporation. This, this is Gordon and Vernon who start this corporation. And I think by the 40s, they have restaurants all over the city and they have restaurants in Pittsburgh, in Philadelphia and in other cities. So it's a restaurant chain. Um, and they continue to grow after the war. And I think this is a point where many, many of our listeners might remember that after the war, we get into uh, the sort of the television generation and uh, sitting down for a TV dinner, something that you could just warm up. Well, Stouffer's went one better than that. They began Stouffer's Frozen Foods. And they're still a real landmark. So you, you can get lasagna, French bread, pizzas, beef stroganoff, things that you couldn't find in those little tin trays. Uh, and they have Stouffer's Lean Cuisine. They, they began to cater to that as they were going on. I mean, Vernon is active in the Chamber of Commerce. He's an owner of the Cleveland Indians at a point when you didn't want to own the Cleveland Indians in the early 1960s. He's really into Cleveland. Uh, the Renaissance Hotel on Public Square was once the Stouffer's Renaissance Hotel, was Stouffer's Hotel. Other Clevelanders will remember the Stouffer's on Shaker Square. Uh, so it, it is, it's a mega corporation that's growing around the country. And it eventually it merges with Litton Industries. Litton Industries makes microwaves. So <laughs> put two and two together here, and I think you see a connection. And right now, Stover's is a global corporation, and, and it's run by Hershey's. Uh, or oh. Nestle's, I'm sorry, Nestle's, excuse me, it's Nestle's. Oh, yeah, you got to watch that one. Jim. <laughs> watch that one, right. So it's, uh, it really goes from you know, a rural family that, that's taking the cream from the cattle and making a product out of it. And, and they and, and the sons grow it into an absolutely mega business. Uh, one of those stories that gets lost sometimes in Cleveland, but anytime you go to a grocery store and you buy frozen food, you're going to find that name in front of you. That's unbelievable. I, my question for you, John, obviously, what a story that is about the Stouffer's, but Speaking specifically about the Cleveland Arcade, I mean, what historic place that is as well. I mean, obviously, many different businesses have been there, but certainly for the Stouffer's to have a lunch business in that place. And it, it, you know, obviously been revamped and things like that, but it's still there. That Talk about that for, for a bit. Talk about a little bit of the Cleveland Arcade, if you could, and a little bit of history of that. Well, the Cleveland Arcade is probably one of the largest indoor arcades in the world. There, There's there's one in Milan that some people think is, is modeled after, but it's an indoor arcade. It is more than anything else an engineering miracle. It's, it's a wonder of engineering. It took a group of very wealthy people putting their money together to get it built. And it's a through passage between Euclid Avenue, the city's main drag downtown to Superior, which takes you to the public buildings and the courthouse. So it would bustle with business on that lower level you know, the upper level is now a Hyatt Hotel, uh, but that, that was almost all business uh, businesses, uh, basically some were, you know, closed shops where they were just doing the books and so forth. Other ones open to people going in. You could go there and get your watch fixed, you get your shoes fixed, anything else you wanted. But uh, the Republicans held a major meeting there in the 1890s. There's a wonderful picture of it just jammed with people. And it was, a, it is an architectural landmark of the city. And I know that the, uh, the record books are still kept by the company that owns the, uh, uh, the uh, arcade. So uh, its whole construction is still documented. And so it's something you missed. There are other arcades on the other side going from Euclid to Prospect. I think there were three of them at that one time. We have the Fifth Street Arcade, which is there now. So you could actually go from Prospect to Euclid, Euclid to Superior by walking through arcades. Wow. 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 How about that? Well, I don't know about you, Ken, but I know growing up, Hey, time for a lot, time for a TV dinner. That was, yeah. that was a yep. standard move. And then it was, all right, what Stouffer's are we having? And as a, as a kid never occurred, you know, Stouffer's was just, that was the name of the, the, the thing. It was, I didn't know it was a guy, but uh, that's some great information. And John, we thank you very much for the perspective and giving us that uh, info. You know, it's made me hungry, so I'll see where I can go from after this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll put some in the microwave here. All right, that's another This Week in Cleveland History. Ted, time for the overachievers. Yes. A man from India, and by the way, 
You didn't make it once again. Dang I didn't it. make it. I, I don't know what it's going to take for us to be the overachievers. Ugh. We got to talk to some of our staff to see what mm-hmm. we can do. I mean, we put the show together. Yeah. Can we Who's be an overachiever for once. This is hogwash. Uh, well, a man from India has apparently broken a world record. Mm. This is surprising. Guinness still needs to certify the effort of Raj Gopal boy. Mm. He balanced a field hockey stick on one finger for get this three hours and 35 minutes. <laughs> hey, Ken, I'm going to go for a Guinness world record. Yeah. What do you think you're going to do? I'm going to hold a field hockey stick on my finger for three hours. That okay. Good luck. <laughs> you want to step over and witness it? No, I, I, I got to reupholster my couch. Okay. How about that job? You got to sit there and watch him to make yeah, sure it's a, a three record. hours and 30. You think anybody thought about goosing him or telling him or anything? Give him a little push. I don't know. Yeah. Well, many of the witnesses were on hand, including the guy who holds the Guinness record for most punches thrown in one minute with both hands. So he didn't just get any random person. Yeah. He got another Guinness world record holder. To oh, be the boy. That's outstanding. The current certified record for balancing a field hockey stick on one finger was set in 2017. Not hold sure on. If you remember this or not? Ted. Hold, hold on. Hold on. You're telling me somebody else did this already? Yeah. Yeah. A few years back. Okay. And, and their record was two hours, 22 minutes and 22 seconds. Hmm. Okay. So the video boys attempt and witness statements are being reviewed by Guinness to try to get the new effort recognized. Mm-hmm. So, Ted, we have the opportunity. I mean, if we want to break this record, we got to start practicing. I mean, do we start on smaller objects? I mean, maybe you try it with a fork first yeah. and then move to the field fork. hockey stick. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, can I can I can balance a an empty can of soda on my hand. What does that get me? Uh, you're still holding. That's impressive. Yes. I can see Ten it. seconds right there. Boom. Done. Wow. Well, that guy, definitely an overachiever. Blah, blah, blah. 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 Today's guest is a native Clevelander who recently was named the executive director for Cleveland Builds. He also is the executive director for Friends of Max Hayes High School. He was the president of North Coast Initiatives, as well as the executive vice president and director of admissions and marketing for St. Martin de Porres High School. Our guest started his professional career at his alma mater, St. Ignatius High School, as the dean of admissions and administration. He is a graduate of Ohio University in business marketing. He also volunteers a lot of his time in the Cleveland area. Let's talk with Keith Lassinger. Keith, my gosh, what a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Keith, let's just start right away. Congrats on your role with Cleveland Builds as the executive director. Talk about what Cleveland Builds is all about and what was appealing about this position for you. Well, again, thanks for for having me and uh, very excited to be with Cleveland Builds and to be associated with the Construction Employers Association, which is technically my my employer. Uh, Cleveland Builds started as an initiative of the Construction Employers Association, which really represents the management side of the building and construction industry. And the other side of it is the Building and Construction Trades Council, which really represents the, the labor side of the equation. And CEA and the, the Trades Council work hand in hand and, and work as, as partners. And uh, so since May, I've been connected with the organization. And probably the biggest thing that we've done since that time is we put together a pre-apprenticeship class and we had about 30, uh, 32 start and about 24 or so finish. And uh, all those young adults, uh, and I'm uh, using that term a, a little bit liberally. I, I think we had a couple of folks maybe in their 40s on up, up to 50, but most of the folks were you know, between 18 and, and probably about 30 years of age. I think we'll credit them as being young. <clears throat> yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> a- absolutely. Absolutely. I have to be mindful of my audience here. We are all very, very young men. Yes. No, young, no doubt young about Young middle-aged it. men. Yes. <laughs> uh, but our, uh, our pre-apprenticeship class, it was our first crack at it. And uh, really to have uh, 24 finish the program was, was just absolutely dynamite. 
And uh, we're, we're now in the throes of trying to get those individuals placed in the building construction trades. And as a matter of fact, this morning, I, I just had an opportunity to uh, correspond with someone from the cement masons and uh, he, he's trying to get a, a young person placed uh, with uh, with Cleveland cement. So that that's what it's about. It's oh, uh, and Kenny, you asked me about um, Sorry, I've known you too long. You're probably Ken or Kenneth at, at this point. I go by but... anything. Usually it's a foul <laughs> language type of thing, but I answer to a lot, Keith. You know how. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that you asked me what's appealing and, uh, you know, about, about this role and, and helping people find opportunities that will uh, not only help them pay the bills, but uh, really provide a, a good quality of, of life and provide not only for themselves, but, but for a, a family is, is really absolutely what it's, what it's about. And, uh, you know, if I had to pick the through line for, for my career, that that's really what, uh, what, what it's been about for me is, is trying to help young people, whether they're high schoolers or, uh, or young adults, uh, you know, find educational opportunities or, or work opportunities that that's what it's about. Oh, absolutely, Keith. I mean, what what a fulfilling job that is to to see somebody that goes through your program and give them an opportunity to to do all those things you talked about. My next question, I guess, is piggybacked with some of the things that you just talked about. But in reviewing the Cleveland Builds website, there's 16 different industries that prospective workers can choose from. Um, is there a particular industry or job that is in more demand than others? And with your apprenticeship program, is it basically people could come in and there's you know, many different options that they can choose from. Is that how that works? Yeah, we're trying to provide an introduction really to as, as many of the skilled trades as, as we can. Uh, so it's not focused on, on any one particular industry. Uh, we anticipate that, uh, you know, certainly carpenters and, and laborers are, are going to be in, in demand. Um, like I said, though, uh, you know, we're pleasantly surprised that it, it looks like we'll get it at least one person placed uh, with the cement masons. I know right now I'm uh, I'm working to get one uh, one young woman placed with the operating engineers. So uh, we're trying to cast as, as wide a net as we can, uh, both with the employers and and with the unions, and uh, really trying to just find you know where where that best fit is for the participants and and for industry. And that's an important point for us to to make here. While we are a five hundred one c three. This is very much industry led um, and um, last thing that we want is to prepare young people for opportunities that that don't exist. Uh, first, <laughs> first thing we, we want for them is to uh, get, you know, get them plugged into really well paying jobs and uh, and opportunities that are, are going to be there for for years to come and uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know exactly what, uh, Ken, I've got a good sense of what your career trajectory has been, but I know for me, I've never built something that I can point to and say to my kids, look, I, I, I created that. And, uh, folks who work in building and construction can, can absolutely do that. They can point to a, a hospital or to a school or to, uh, you know, a bridge or to a highway and say, I, I helped build that. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of meaning and, and fulfillment in, in that kind of work. And so, uh, you know, in, in some ways I, I envy the folks who are, are in that line of work. They, they really are doing things that are very tangible. Well, you, you know, Keith, I, I build stuff that my wife buys at Ikea. Does that count? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right, <laughs> well, hey, uh, the census just came out last week and Cleveland is shrinking uh, 6% down, according to the census from 2010 to uh, about 372,000 people. What effect has that decrease or does that decrease have uh, how does it affect uh, companies with getting workers? Are there other factors? What can you say about the census and the population and how it affects the companies? Well, that's something that I personally am, am very, very concerned about. And I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, with uh, some some new leadership in the, the mayor's office and, you know, hopefully we've got uh, some some really strong city council people coming in and, and other leaders that we can begin to, to address that. I happen to be a Cleveland resident and a, a very, very proud Cleveland resident, and I see lots of great things happening. And, and so I hope that more and more people 
uh, you know, decide, you know, rather than, than living in the, the suburbs to, to locate in, in Cleveland proper. In terms of the opportunities, though, Ted, to answer your question a bit more directly, the opportunities that exist in building and construction, I don't know that that's really had much of an impact just because the, the region on the whole, um, you know, population has kind of remained, I, I think, relatively flat. Um, clearly, if we had an influx of, of new residents, uh, you know, that, that would probably be better for, uh, for industry. We'd need to provide homes and schools and, uh, you know, other infrastructure that, that folks could absolutely take advantage of. Uh, but I, I don't think that the uh, Cleveland proper's decline in population has, has necessarily hurt the, the industry all that significantly. So Keith, if someone is interested and, you know, they're looking for a job in one of the trades or they want to, you know, get involved with, with Cleveland builds, how, how do they go about that? What I encourage folks to do, uh, first of all, is go to our website, uh, clevelandbuilds.com. And yeah, there's a career seeker button right at the, the top. I believe it's a, a red button and they just click on that and they provide us with a little bit of basic information. And then we keep them on our, our mailing list. Uh, folks who are on that mailing list over the summer were in uh, you know, a prime position to take advantage of the pre-apprenticeship class when we announced that we were doing that. Um, we're still in the process of figuring out when the next pre-apprenticeship class is going to be. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to make sure that we let folks know about uh, different trades fairs that are coming up and opportunities that exist at, at union halls to, to come in and perhaps uh, apply directly to, to the unions. Um, and just keep them kind of informed about what's going on in, in the industry, really on, on the whole. Uh, one of the reasons that we don't know yet what the timing of the pre-apprenticeship class is going to be is kind of relates back to an earlier point that I made. And that is we want to make sure that when we offer a class that as individuals are graduating, uh, there are employers who are, are looking to hire at that point in time. Okay. Um, so we're thinking probably... Um, you know, I, I, we may change course on this, but but uh, very likely uh, we'll offer our, our next pre-apprenticeship class probably late winter or early spring. Fair enough. Now, um, Ken gave me some notes here, wanted me to uh, ask you some question or a question about high school football and uh, <laughs> maybe a game not to be too specific, but October 23rd, 1993, Ignatius Eds uh, went to three overtimes and Ignatius won 35-34. Again, not to be too specific, but uh, this lets you guys continue uh, to have that opportunity to be national champs. And the stats I have in front of me, three catches, 75 yards, all three touchdowns, including one of which tied the game, uh, jumping over an Eagle defender to grab the catch. Eddie Dwyer did a story on you on this game in 2009. Does this jog your memory? Is this you? Do you have any recollection? <laughs> Keith, do you have any idea what we're talking about at all? Anything? <laughs> uh, every once in a while, this gets brought up, but uh, and. Uh, my reaction never changes to it. I always blush a little bit. And uh, I also feel really ashamed of, uh, you know, if you, if you saw me walking now, you would never guess that at one point in my life, I was fairly fast. But, uh, you know, it happens to us, Ken and, and Ted. We, yes, it does. Uh, we, we, we all get a, a little bit older and a little bit slower. And yeah, uh, but it does bring back great, great, great memories. And uh, Ken and I, uh, it, if listeners haven't guessed, uh, we're, we're high school classmates and uh, we had a just a, a really talented class and uh, we had a, a lot of fun. And we do have to acknowledge I only tied the game. Nick Pye has won the game. That's if correct. Not, if not uh, for Nick's kick, it's a tie game. That's true. Yeah, but it if it true. wasn't for your catch, there wouldn't have been the opportunity to have that tie. You know, I mean, you know, let's. Let's not try to be the tallest midget here. Let's stand up for ourselves, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I tallest uh, uh, little person. Is that what we say now? Yeah, we got to watch that now. Okay. I believe that is what we say now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Go ahead, Ken. My God. But no, what a that was a, such a memorable time. I mean, I remember that game. It's 13,000 people, packed stadium, and 
I, you know, certainly, you know, not, not to go into too in depth in that, but I think everyone in the stadium knew that Eric Hanna was going to get the ball a ton and St. Ed's who had a very good quarterback and pretty good defense. They play, played a great game. And every time they're throwing the ball, they were throwing it to you and you were coming down with catches. And that catch that you made at the end of that game was probably the best catch I've ever seen in person in my life. So uh, <laughs> well, that's you. off to you. And I know that's something you probably, you know, you get, it gets brought up, but if you talk to many different people in the Cleveland area, a lot of people, sports writers, anybody that has seen that catch, it's one of the best you'll ever seen. I think it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. So it's pretty cool. So we are talking to a celebrity, of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, Being a celebrity, you. well, you're, you're also helping people, which is just outstanding. So awesome. thanks, Ken. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Eric Haddad. I understand he was a previous guest of yours. He, and yes, he was. Hey, we get all the big guests here, Keith. You know, not, exactly. not that they're in any particular order, but we get them all here. Well, yeah, we St. Angelo Marici, class of 1990, both Eric and me. So, yeah, yep. there you go. Yep. You guys are good <laughs> athletes. Good athletes. Well, oh, that's, Keith, that's to cool. put a bow on this, if somebody wants to contact you directly, get more info on Cleveland Builds or reminisce about great high school football, where would they, uh, what's the best way to, <clears throat> like I slid that in there, what's the best way to uh, get in touch with you? What do you suggest they do? Well, best way to, to reach me is uh, by emailing me at Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at clevelandbuilds.com. And uh, also happy to provide my mobile number. That's 216-906-0278. Uh, certainly, if you're interested in the program, I also recommend that you go to the, the website, clevelandbuilds.com, and check out all the really, really great information that's that's available there. And uh, Ken referenced it earlier, all the, the great opportunity within the opportunities within the trades that are posted there and, you know, kind of what the starting wages are and uh, what a journey person will will make and um, really the, the outstanding opportunities that that exist within the, the industry are are all listed there. Um, but then after checking that out, if, if folks want to uh, hit that career seeker button and provide me with their information, we'll make sure that we keep them informed about all the opportunities. That's outstanding. Well, Keith, great catching up. Uh, so outstanding what you're doing with this organization, Cleveland Builds. It seems like an outstanding group. And uh, obviously, I hope people check it out. You can also, you guys accept donations as well, from what I saw on the on the website as well. Is that correct? Uh, as a 501c3, we're, we're definitely accepting donations and the uh the industry has really stepped up for us and uh you know we've, we've also been able to secure some some state and federal grants as as well but uh yeah absolutely want to fund the the great work that that we're doing within the industry that's great stuff keith absolute pleasure to be with us today we really appreciate your time and uh, best of luck and i guess we'll have to catch up again and love to hear more about cleveland builds as uh to move on through uh certainly this year and next year as well anytime guys thank you so much the most trusted name in journalism, Klopp's Clips. More news you need to know, Ken. Be, uh, be very mindful here now. Pay attention. Trump appointed Social Security Commissioner Andrew Saul. He was fired by the Biden administration. But he vowed to continue with his job as the, quote, duly confirmed Social Security Commissioner, whether the president liked it or not. <laughs> what do you mean I'm fired? I'm coming to work anyhow. Now, unfortunately for Saul, his threat to keep working was foiled when he tried to log on to government systems and found that his access had been revoked. Go figure. President Biden's appointee has taken over. This sounds like a George Costanza thing out of <laughs> Seinfeld, to be honest with you. You can't fire me. I'll log in anyhow. Oh, yeah? Well, we're deleting your account. That'll take care of <sighs> Okay. A New Jersey man who works at a liquor store has started cleaning homes on the side to make extra cash. Lou and Angelino, Angelino took to TikTok. He had an interesting situation. He was supposed to clean a home for a friend and arrived to find the key under the doormat as described. He cleaned for two and a half hours and was playing with the cats 
when his friend called to see how it was going. Lewis told his friend, quote, I'm literally in your living room right now playing with your cats and waiting for you to walk in. There was a pause. And his friend said, Lou, I, I don't have any cats. <laughs> to his surprise, Lou wrote down his friend's address incorrectly. He was off by one number. And he cleaned the wrong people's house. <laughs> his friend got home and left a note for the neighbors with the surprisingly clean home when a husband at the unintentionally cleaned home arrived. He called his wife and said, someone broke into our house and cleaned the entire thing. The neighbors were amused. They said they're going to keep Lewis's number for any future cleaning needs. Wow. Yep. Somebody broke in. Clean the whole house. Did they house. steal anything? No, yep. they no. clean. They clean. It's clean. How come that doesn't happen to me? I don't know. Yeah. I like that problem, too. And they'd come into our house and just turn around and leave. <laughs> A 67-year-old man in England is serving six years in prison after pleading guilty to one count of robbery and two separate counts of attempted robbery. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Alan <laughs> Slattery did make up with about 2,400 British pounds from one bank, but he failed trying to rob two others. Oh, they say one of the failures was due to his poor handwriting. <laughs> Tellers couldn't read the note that he passed them demanding money, so he took off with no cash. Sussex police shared the note on Twitter, which the bank eventually determined the note said, your screen won't stop what I've got. Just hand over the tens and twenties. Think about the other customers. And there was another time he passed a note to a teller who could read his writing, but she challenged him. And so he ran away. Um, I'm going to say that Alan Slatterly might need to find another way to make some money. He yeah. needs some other employment. Obviously, yes. bank robbing is not tops on his list, let's be honest. How about just large letters, something like hand over the cash? How about this one? Why don't you type it out? Well, you don't even have to write it. Then just they can you know, do this. match on your handwriting. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe we should be a consultant for people that want to break the law. I don't know. I don't, I don't see a lot of future in that, but, you know, no, no. never know. That, however, is this week's collection of Pops Clips. Well, another misspeak of the week. Guess who it is? You have uh, an idea? I, I, no, I, I can't imagine. Initials is it a repeat J customer? B. JB. Oh. President Joe Biden spoke at the White House last week about prescription drug prices, generic drugs and the FDA. Other companies can come along, make the same exact drug and sell it cheaper. It's called generic drug. That's why I've instructed the Federal Drug Administration to, <laughs> to get these genetic drugs <laughs> to consumers fast. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Um, well, it's the do you, do you want to go through this or you want me to do yeah, it? No, go ahead. I, I think it needs some explanation. Well, it's the Food and Drug Administration, not, not the, the Federal, Federal Drug Administration. And he was talking about generic drugs, not genetic drugs. I want to make sure everybody understands that. Hey, that was that was a full sentence prior to the second what he said. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A long time. Well, President Biden, once again, we appreciate it. That's another misspeak of the week. Time to get in the ring now. Steve Muehlhausen from DAZN, D-A-Z-N.com, is back with us for more pro wrestling talk. And a pretty newsworthy week here. Steve AEW debuting Rampage on Friday, featuring a big-time title change as Kenny Omega loses the Impact Championship to Christian Cage. What'd you think of that title switch? And what'd you think of Rampage? I'll start with the latter question first. That was an easy, like, 44 minutes. 
Mm-hmm. Oh Absolutely. my god! Yeah, it, it flew right by. But it, watching AEW in general, guys, at least to me, such an easy watch. Yep. I don't, yeah. I don't get bored. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not getting up to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to grab a refreshment. I'm glued. The only time I'm getting up is, is during a commercial. I'm not getting up to do anything or look at my phone or nothing like that. And they have my attention every week. I thought for what they did, it was a great show. Everything made sense. The title change only made sense, guys, because of where they're going with Christian and Omega. They're facing each other at All Out. So that made sense. And Christian's fantastic in the ring. Was it the best match of the year? No. But it was a very solid very solid match. They had the crowd behind him. Maybe now he could do it at All Out. I don't think so, but you have that illusion that it can happen. Right finish, sure. right guy. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, going on with that, Steve, I mean, obviously you're talking about AEW Rampage in Chicago. There's always been hints about CM Punk. Now, has he signed? Will we see what? him on Friday? And have you heard anything new about Brian Danielson? Give us the scoop. We need wait, some breaking see, wait, news. Wait, CM Punk? What? Yeah. You know him? <laughs> I know, Magnet, I, I, I know him. I know him. I know him well. He's not returning my my messages. I, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think him. you're in a, a large group there. <laughs> In all honesty, I'm looking more forward to that show on Friday than I am anything else during the week. I don't know why. I'm looking forward to SummerSlam. I'm looking forward to Manny Pacquiao. But seeing someone of that caliber to come back is going to be going to be Friday is going to be a truly special day. I really feel it's going to be one of those monumental days we talk about for a very long time. And in terms of Brian Danielson, Ken, he's locked in. Everything I've been been told. The date they have is September 22nd when they debut in New York at that Arthur Ashe Stadium. So unless something changes between now and then, I have, but I've been led to believe that he's in. Okay. So you don't, haven't been able to confirm, like most other people, whether or not CM Punk is signed, but your feeling is we're going to see him on Rampage on Friday. Is that a fair summation? That is correct. Okay. Um, Everything I've been led to believe he's in. Yeah. I think every hint we've seen, we seen it again on Rampage. He's in. Yeah. He's making references on it. He commentated a regional MMA show on a UFC Fight Pass over the weekend. And he he just nonchalantly brought it up, which I think was a little bit of trolling, which is very intelligent, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Get people guessing and get people talking. He, he's a smart businessman and he's a smart businessman to begin with. It seems like he's locked in. Okay. I've, I haven't been, no one's saying nothing. This okay. is pretty, it's pretty, they're making it obvious without saying he's going to be there. And I think yeah. that's just yeah. brilliant marketing. I yep. really, really do. Well, over in uh, WWE, they're still cutting people left and right. The latest, latest round is the gold and black brand NXT. Now, is this a result of the success of AEW? This this uh, cost cutting at that particular brand, and does this have people questioning the brand or the leadership of the brand, which I believe is Triple H, Paul Levesque? I think to begin the former part of your question, I think is correct. They were put on USA to crush AEW and send them away. They won't blatantly say it, but I've talked to people there that have made that abundantly clear. Paul Levesque's getting the blame, according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, that he's getting all the heat for AEW more or less stomping a mud hole <laughs> in NXT and walking it dry. Um, I'm going to learn a lot this week about that whole situation when I'm out in Las Vegas because I'm meeting with some people in WWE, going to talk to some people within the company and just to try to get a feel of, like, what exactly is going on? Why is this ship suddenly but NXT is getting treated like the redheaded stepchild? Mm-hmm. You know, because you look at the rating this past week, the rating was good. It was their best rating in a while. You know, they had yeah. over 750,000 viewers. I thought the show was very good. You know, they hit a lot of things. I'm looking forward to Karrion Cross and Samoa Joe on, on Sunday. I think that's going to be a really good match. It's a very interesting time for the black and gold. And I hopefully can learn something and I can have for you guys next week. But mm. 
Good. I feel I feel bad for everyone associated right now with NXT. I don't feel they deserve any of the flack and the criticism they are getting. Is all their talent works hard, all the producers and Paul Levesque, Shawn Michaels, and all of them. All of them work extremely hard, and they, you can tell how much they really care about the brand, and they want to see this talent develop, get better, and be, go off to Raw and SmackDown and become superstars and not get there and get crushed upon arrival. Well, Steve, you hinted at this to an extent. You mentioned about Saturday being SummerSlam. Uh, obviously, a couple different questions for you. One, any surprises expected? Um, Becky Lynch is rumored to possibly be there returning. What are you hearing? No one's saying anything. I have been at this for like the past three days. No one's saying a peep. Wow. Becky Lynch will be in Las Vegas. That PW Insider confirmed that last week. What she's going to do? I don't know. Will she be on this show? I don't know. Yeah. Last I had heard, she was supposed to be back in July. But then I heard October around the draft time. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of rumblings going on about the match between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair possibly not happening because mm. they both were pulled from the house show loop this past weekend. I'm trying to find out why on that. No one's that's being kept very tight lipped as well. So I think there's a lot at play here. Maybe a cash in mm. this weekend. Okay. And the reason I say that is huh. I talked to Bill Goldberg on Friday, we were talking about matches he still wants to have. I brought up Roman Reigns. I brought up John Cena and the feud he's been having on and off with Matt Riddle. But a Navy brought up after those three was Big E and seeing really complimentary of how proud he is of him, remembering him when he was in his autograph line, and just really Hmm. is proud to see the progressions he has made and someone he'd want to step in the ring with. And I'm thinking about mine. I'm like, I think we're getting a cash in Sunday. I think yeah. Bill Goldberg, and this is just hypothetical. I don't know, but this is what I think is going to happen. Bill Goldberg is going to beat Bobby Lashley. And then Big E comes in, hits the big ending. And Big E walks out of SummerSlam, the WWE champion. Wow. Ooh. Okay. That would be All interesting. Right. It's a big prediction there. All right. Let's do a little wrestling rewind, Steve. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. August 10th, 1956. Now, this is not something that happened in wrestling on August 10th, 1956. Fred Ottman was born. Now, you may not know the name Fred Ottman, but you might know Tugboat or Typhoon or perhaps one of the more unintentionally funny characters to ever debut, the Shockmaster. Can you Shockmaster? I almost spit up my ice. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that. I was trying to time it there. Ken, are you familiar with the Shockmaster? I actually am. Yes. Okay. I, I was going to remember right, the well, Shockmaster. I'm going to try to set the scene here for anybody who's not familiar. This is a Clash of the Champions. Sid Justice and uh, Harlem Heat are going to be wrestling the British Bulldog Sting and a mystery partner at I think it was Fall Brawl of that year, '93. And they're on Flair for the Gold, which is a show, which is a, a segment on the show. And their partner is what's supposed to happen is their partner is supposed to crash through a wall and make this incredible entrance. Well, then they built the wall. They put a beam across the bottom. So when the poor guy crashes, goes to, you know, sledgehammer through the wall, he trips over the beam and falls through the wall. Aside from that, I'm going to describe the character here for you. The character, Fred Odman, who's a, a big husky, you know, guy, he's got a, uh, a fur vest on. And then they took, and it's painfully obvious what is they took, this is, they took a stormtrooper helmet, painted it silver with sparkles all over it, and had him wear it. And he gets out there. And they have Ole Anderson in the back on a microphone doing a, a ventriloquist act, or perhaps you could say a Kayentai act. He's talking for Fred Ottman, for the Shockmaster, and he's talking in this horrible voice like this. And that's the introduction of this character, which was uh, 
understandably short-lived and yeah, that was the shock master. Steve, do you have anything to add or? Uh... You described that so well. That was a beautiful narration and 100% truth. That was, that was one of the all time great blunders. <laughs> and the fact it's still talked about 28 years later makes it more fantastic. Well, you know, I was, I was working on this and I watched the video and then I read a little bit about what happened and the part that shocked me, you know, he comes through the wall and falls down and you hear off mic, but if you listen for it, you can hear Booker T drop a, a naughty word that you can't say on network television. And then the British bulldog says with that heavy British accent, he, he fell on his arse. He fell on his arse. It was just how hard would it have been to tell him, Hey, Fred, the beam, there's a beam on the floor. Yeah. Don't trip. Why? What was the point of the beam? Because mm-hmm. he tripped right over and looked like a, a total idiot. You, do you know why he looked like an idiot? Because he fell on his arse. His arse. God bless, God bless him. A-R-S-E. Love it. Steve, if folks want to follow you on Instagram or Twitter or any of the social media or catch your stuff, what's the best way for them to do that? Find me on social media at S Mulehausen Jr. That's S M U E H L H A U S C N J R. You can find all my stuff at thezone.com forward slash news. A lot of cool stuff coming up. I got an article coming up from my my very always a good conversation when I talk to Bill Goldberg. So we talked to Bill just about the match with Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam, still wrestling at the age of 53. Dream matches. And I brought up three of the gentlemen earlier and he brought up one more. And I thought some intriguing responses to that and how he feels about still at this stage of the game. And I thought this was fascinating. So I was when he came back, when he came out in Chicago and I was there, the reaction was huge. So I was like, man, why? I, it's cool, but it's like, what? And I asked him, why do you feel like you still get this reaction? Because guys don't get that massive reaction these days. Unless you're a John Cena or a Roman Reigns. Like, so I thought the answer to that was just very intriguing as well. But, and then I head out to Las Vegas starting tomorrow for all things Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao returns to the ring on Saturday night and be all media stuff for that and some media stuff with WWE for SummerSlam this coming weekend. So I'm going to be tired. It's going to be fun. What are you looking forward to coming home? Yeah, there you go. All right. Travel safe and we'll catch up next week. All right, guys. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Steve. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. We've got no rhythm. Yeah. Um, I I went through this myself and I think you're much better at this than I am. It seems like your, your rhythm, even though neither of us really have rhythm, your rhythm is better than mine. So that's (laughs) just got to tell you where, where my rhythm is. So, okay. Um, I think we got a song that a lot of people will probably recognize. If not, you'll pick it up pretty quick. So I leave the floor to you, sir. Can I get you a rock beat? out and, and do your best on, on this outstanding? We've got no rhythm song. Can I get a beat, please? Okay. Of course. All right. There's a, there's a lot of the same word here at the beginning. So I got to make sure I do this right. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 no, that's that's don't be putting extra O's in there. Oh, 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 oh. Now we got some words. Jungle life, you're far away from nothing. It's all right. You won't miss home. Take a chance. Leave everything behind you. Come and join me. You won't be sorry. It's easy to survive. Jungle life, we're living in the open. 
All alone like Tarzan's boy, hide and seek. We play alone while Russian cross the forest monkey business on a sunny afternoon. Night tonight, give me the other, give me the other. Chance tonight, give me the other, give me the other. Night tonight, give me the other, give me the other. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. That's it. Wow. That is, that's an interesting song. I mean, do you want to let people know what this song is? Yeah, sure. That was, in case you didn't know, that was... Tarzan by Tarzan Boy by Baltimore. Very popular song. Now, where have you heard this song before? I, I must say I've, I've well, heard it once. Yeah, back in the where 80s. But this? more recently, there is a we talked to Steve early about pro wrestling, but we didn't mention this guy. There's a guy on AEW called Jungle Boy. And yes. they've apparently purchased the rights to this song. There's nothing quite like hearing 10,000 people in an arena singing this song when the guy comes out. That is outstanding. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 oh. You did a great job with that. Yes. You really did. Thank yeah, you. A lot of Thank you. That's like the cereal. Do you ever the cereal O's? It's a honey grain cereal with yeah. a little cinnamon O's. That's what I thought of when you said that. But, uh, yeah. Maybe they should also have the rights. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that would be a good idea for sure. Well, I think I've solidified the fact that we've got no rhythm. Ken, we're wrapping up episode number 68 of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. This week's episode brought to you by the number 68 and the letter O. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. We won't do it again. But Robert E. E. Jackson. Yes, thank you. Robert E. Jackson and uh, Tarzan Bye Bye Baltimore. A lot of interesting talk this week. Uh, Can you tell me what the formal word is for the fear of the number 13. Did you pick that up while we were? I, uh, I did. You you did a fine job of saying it, but I think it's uh, parasvika terophobia. I, uh, uh, I think that's, I think you've said something in Russian. Yes, that or I sneezed. One yes, two. thank you. Well, next week on our show, <clears throat> Gabby Gowdy is going to be here. Ken, <clears throat> I hope you're ready for this. Okay. Who is... Gabby Gowdy. Gabby Gowdy works with FanDuel. Uh-huh. And she is, I would say, an Instagram star. Okay. So she has a lot of different experiences. She is based in Cleveland, and you could see her Instagram account, and she's all over the place at different events, Indians games, different places in Cleveland. I'm interested to find out more of her involvement with FanDuel. I know this past weekend she was in Las Vegas and working with FanDuel and had an opportunity to go to some exhibition basketball games. I think she saw the Phoenix Suns and a couple other teams. So love to catch up with with Gabby. She is actually, um, she attended the same school as, I don't know if you remember this guy, Steve Thompson, who was on our show last week. Athletic director um, at Baldwin, at Baldwin Wallace. Wallace. Yeah, he she attended one of the schools that he was at. Okay. So that is the that is the connection of how we met connection. with, with okay. Gabby. But I'm interested to talk with her, find out more. And I'll be honest, as a middle aged guy, we're still trying to figure out social media. I mean, let's be honest. And yeah, Instagram, I know, is certainly getting really big. Twitter is really big. And, you know, to hear from Gabby and how she's got these followers and how she does this as a, as a regular job is, is a very interesting conversation for, for myself. And I know it'll be for you as well. Will you be trying to quote our We've Got No Rhythm song this week to Eowyn at any point? Um, I will probably no, no, say no, not yeah. um. It's O. Well, I have to start off with the O oh, and then finish okay. with O. Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. All right. So, but I, I will do my best. Okay. I'll owe my way through the week. Let me know how that goes. You'll be the first to know, as yes. you usually are. Okay. All right. Well, look forward to talking to Gabby Gotti next week. Yep. And special thanks to our guests this week. We had what? Uh, Dusty Sloan for 
Steve yep. Muehlhausen, Dusty Sloan. We had Mr. Grabowski. Yep. How about his history? How about the information that he knows? When we talk to him, we can go behind the screen here. He, yeah. he doesn't read anything. No, he knows all this. Yeah, stuff. It's he just like... talks to us. I mean, it's not like, you know, sometimes we have to kind of get some information and put things down and stuff like that and take some notes. He has no notes. He just talks to us like we're talking to you right now. It's pretty yep. amazing. But, Vernon yeah. Stouffer making me yeah. hungry. There's yeah, no kidding. God, we had yeah. a lot of Stouffers back in the day, did we not? Those frozen Thanks dinners. Thanks to all those guys. Thanks to our crack uh, engineering and uh, internet staff for getting us yep. on the air. Yep. And, and Keith Lassinger from yeah. Cleveland Builds spending time with us, telling us about his wonderful organization. So, no, great, great week, great show. Appreciate it. So, and thanks to you for listening. Absolutely. And until next week, everyone just needs to continue to remember we're just two middle aged men in Cleveland. Two middle aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place and by Westminster AV. Custom audiovisual packages for all occasions. Oh, 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 o